0: Bad Guy, Inc. presents Beyond the Fight What's happening guys? Welcome to Beyond the Fight as always. This episode is brought to you by betdsi.com. Here's the deal guys. Go to betdsi.com. You put up $50. Use the promo code badguy, one word, B A D G U Y. They will match your $50. You will have 100 bucks on the books. Plus, DSI will email you a promo code. Take that to badguyinc.com. Pick out any two t-shirts. DSI buys them and ships them to you for free. There is no fine print. You're 50 bucks, And the promo code badguy gets you 50 bucks and two free t-shirts. All right, Ryan, we had a little bit of news come out, and I don't know what to make of it. I'm not even willing to report this. This came right from the fighter's mouth. I'm talking about Anderson Silva. He says, I'm done. And it wasn't totally clear, am I done with this training camp? Well, that part I can confirm. He has left and has returned home. He is no longer training. He was supposed to be at UFC 212, had Kelvin a bit of a revolving door there. They offered him a couple opponents. He didn't want him. Then he wanted Romero, but he wanted the caveat that it was an interim title fight. I can confirm he has left training camp, won't be part of 212, and has returned home. However, if you tie that statement of I'm done In with an appearance that he did on Errol Hawani's show where he said, if I don't get this specific fight on this specific date and for this specific interim title, I'm done with the sport. I am officially retired and out of the UFC. First off, even though he said it, what better source than the guy himself? I'm not ready to report it. I'm ready to report he said it, but I'm not willing to report that he did it or is going to do it. A lot of room left for him. Big paydays left. Big demand and it's a guy that still enjoys it. Anderson likes being in the sport. And uh what do you make of it? I guess that's my point. What do you make of this? When the guy says he's done, I'm either calling him a liar or I got to report that he's done. But in this case, I'm, I'm doing neither. I'm just saying, eh, you know, Anderson, sometimes you, you, you get hot, you get cold, your emotions get the best of you. Know there's, there's kind of some weird stuff going on. We got the stress of a fight coming up, particularly fighting at home. Eh, sometimes you say some things
1: that you don't really mean. I think that's where he's at. Historically, it's very difficult for a professional athlete, especially for someone who's done it for so long and so well at his level, to walk away. And you nailed probably two key important aspects, which is number one, he's still getting a giant paycheck. And I'm sure he made a lot of money in his career, but you can always use more money. And then the second thing is, that's a lot of attention that you get doing that. becomes a part of your life, becomes a part of your identity. All of a sudden, you walk away from that. Now you're staring at the next 30 years, 40 years, what are you going to do with your life? Mm. If I was a betting man, I would say that we'll see him back in the case.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think we will too. And... As a hoping man, I want to see him back in the cage. Of I course. don't have a bigger rival than Anderson Silva. But make no mistake, I enjoy the hell out of his work. I respect the hell out of, of what he does out there. And I like his passion for the sport. He likes the sport. He likes what he's doing. And people like seeing him. Well, that's a pretty cool thing. How many of our listeners, in fairness, can say they really like what they do? I mean, most people don't live to work. They work to live. That's just a reality. That's why you have hobbies. Yeah, that's right. And Anderson is one of these guys that is like, hey, Anderson, you're, you're – you get to do a job that you actually enjoy. That's a really rare thing. Don't lose sight of that. I would just encourage him, don't ever lose sight of that because it's not very common that you can make a living doing something that you enjoy. Right? I want to ask you something, and I ask you this because you have been an MMA manager for a very long time, and there has been a new headline, a new topic, almost a phenomenon going through MMA, and it dates back really to when the UFC sold to the alphabet of fighters one after the next saying I want the money fights, I pay me more money, pay me more money. As a manager, when you got to put a guy's pants on, when you got to say, listen, here's how it works, and here's the contract you signed, and there is no more money. Your word is worth something. You signed a contract that you were happy with at the day you got, and now all of a sudden you feel that you've outgrown. And you got to have that hard talk and tell a guy, there is no more money. Let's take care of the work and do the job that we've got and be grateful for the position that we have. How do you go about that? How do you go about having that talk? Because that's tough to tell a guy, look, you're not worth more money. But at the same time, it's also a reality. And those talks have to happen.
1: If someone writes you a check for a million dollars or several million dollars, it means that they can make 10 times that from you. And unfortunately, for 98% of the athletes in mixed martial arts, if they're on the card or not, it does not impact the bottom line of the company. This is just a reality. You know, Conor McGregor McGregor gets in private jets and gets big contracts, everything he does because he makes them tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. If you are not one of those guys, you have to, if you're going to be in the sport, first off, the barrier for entry in mixed martial arts is the lowest barrier for any professional sport. I could become a professional mixed martial arts fighter next weekend. If I call up a local promotion and promise to sell a hundred tickets, whatever number they have, they will put me on a card. I will get paid. I will be a professional athlete. Pretty low barrier for entry with that. If you're going to make the big money, which a handful of people have done, there's been a number of people who have made good money, but real generational change money. It's a handful of people who've been able to do that. The reason why, and one reason, one reason only is because they're making the people running the checks much, much more than that. And you have to, if you're going to be in this business, you have to understand the risks from a physical perspective from a mental perspective, and understand that unless you are one of those people that you can justify, that you can say, if I'm not on the card, you don't have a card, or if I'm not on the card, you will sell 300,000 less pay-per-views or 500,000 less pay-per-views you have no leverage, and a negotiation is all based around leverage.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm glad that you use that word. It is leverage, and I don't want to insult any fighter. And Anytime I come out and talk about this, I'm always telling the guys, shut up about this money talk, But but I don't want to sound that I'm on the side of the corporation. I'm against the boys. I'm always with the boys, but at some point, it's like, guys, what short-term memories we have. The day you got the phone call that you're in the big show, whether that's Bellator or whether that's the UFC, but when you get that phone call, Oh, my goodness. I mean, the the clouds part and the sky opens up and the air smells fresher and you can't get on the phone fast enough to call your girlfriend, fiance, wife, mother, friends, coaches. It's the greatest day. You go into the office. You actually sign the contract, sitting with your managers. You put it in the fax, it's the greatest day. And then all of a sudden you get everything that you dreamed about. You get the press tours, you get the media, you start to get the exposure, you start to get the pats on the back from a random guy walking down the street, you start cutting in line at the local sandwich shop for lunch, you start You start really getting it, and all of a sudden your head and your mind changes, I'm not getting enough. And it's like, wait a minute, the same deal that we were throwing high fives around the gym about is the same deal you have now, And but now you're not happy with it. And that part is a little bit tough for me because the business is so big, it is so big, I don't have time if I'm in coca ordainer's shoes to sit around and deal with deals I already have inked up. It's a gamble. I'm gambling on you from the jump, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure your exposure and your life and your notoriety gets so much bigger that there's a profit at the end of this. And for most guys, they're not. Most guys are losses, but the guys that win can cover that whole it's,
1: it's why Sean Shelby has the worst job in the world. Though
0: in the history, Sean Shelby and Joe Silver are two of the nicest men to ever Fantastic guys. ever collect a paycheck from MMA. Two of the single nicest men. And people hate them because they have the worst job description. Could, Their could, job
1: is so hard. The phone calls that Sean has to field every day would drive anyone crazy. It's just the nature of it. But we can't beat up fighters for this, right? Everyone does this. You think, oh, if, if I could get this girl, then things would be this great. Or if I could get this job, or if I could make this much money, then everything in my life will be good. But it never works out like that. There's no, there's never enough.
0: Yeah, that's the. Th- I guess that's really my message too. And thanks for saying that because, again, I am on the side of the boys. I'm on the side of all of our listeners. I want every one of the listeners right now. I want you, I want everybody in the world to make more money. Of course, sure I do. But I also want to be responsible and realistic about it. I want guys to understand when you have a deal, that has to mean something. If you want to do your bitching and your negotiating, that's the time to do it before you put pen to paper. Once you do that, you honor the deal because it goes both ways. I have watched Coker lose his ass on events before, and nobody wants to give him a refund. I have watched Dana White lose his ass early on. Things have been really great for a while, but I watched him lose his ass, and nobody wanted to say, hey, don't, don't pay me quite as much. Maybe, you know, maybe I didn't quite draw like we thought. They were expecting the promoter to honor their deal. It's very reasonable that the promoter expects it of him. Listen, I get mad at Dana White for one thing. I mean, I have laid in bed and in my mind just choked him and screamed at him because Dana White will not, for reasons unknown, come out and defend himself. He will defend his fighters. He will defend his company. He will defend his person. He will not defend himself. Ryan, I want to remind you of this because the facts are important to the way things happen, and I've about had it with seeing Dana's name get drugged through the mud. I've just about had it. And if Dana would just come out, and he will not do it. For reasons I don't understand, he refuses to defend himself. He is okay being whatever said about him negative. To tell the story accurately, you want to know who very first started? The first man to ever speak the words, fighters aren't paid enough money, Dana White. Dana White started this entire fighters need to be treated better, fighters need to be taken care of, fighters need to be paid more. He is the first person to come out and say that. Is his company was struggling. He then gave fighters the right to go out and get outside sponsorship. Now, when he took that away over the Reebok deal, there was all sorts of pushback and what a dirty move it was. It's like BS. You never had the right to get outside sponsorship there has never been an executive producer in the history of television to let his talent have outside sponsors the entire business model of tv is to create something that people watch and then charge advertisers to watch it dana said listen i'm not happy about how much you guys are making i'm not happy about how slow Uh, the growth of this sport is, go ahead and get as much money as you can. I'll pay for the cameras, the advertisements, the seats. I'll pop the popcorn and pour the beer. I'll do the whole thing, and I'll let you guys have outside money. I have a job with ESPN. If I showed up on ESPN, Ryan, take a watch, for example. I could slip a watch in as I'm holding my little microphone up and show that watch off. If I had an outside deal with a watch company, not only would ESPN fire me, Ryan, they would lose respect for me. My bosses would go, Chael, I, I can't believe you did that. We've got a thing. We're, we're paying you money. We're treating you good. We're giving you an opportunity. We'd like to make some money back too. And you went and did an outside deal and didn't bring us in on it. They would lose ethical and moral respect for me, and they would be right to do so. Dana allowed this to happen. He's the one that started the fighters aren't being paid enough. I signed with the UFC in 2005. I was on the minimum pay. The minimum pay was the most I had ever made in my life, and I had fought 21 men. I got $2,000 to show and $2,000 to win. I lost the fight. My check, because of medicals that used to become out of your purse at that time, my check was for $100. Now, I needed that $100. I never cashed the check and I have it to this day. I hung that up on my refrigerator with a magnet as a motivation to me. I read that. Zufo. $100. I got $100 to fight Babalu. And I use that as a motivation. But my point to you is not that. I want on a side note. My point to you is this. Two and two in 2005. $2,000 was the minimum pay. That's what I got. The minimum pay today, which is only a decade later, okay, is $8,000. Ten and ten. It's now 10 and 10. Mm-hmm. It's got them fivefold. You tell me one other company. You tell me one other. I'm challenging you, Ryan. You're a smart guy. You're a doctor. You're a manager. You've been in the sport longer than I have. You tell me one other sport or one other job. You could bring in McDonald's, Chevron, Exxon. You bring in Microsoft. You bring in anybody you want. Any company you want. I won't just limit you to sport. You tell me anybody that's paying five times today what they paid just a short decade ago you tell me anybody the first guy to bang this drum was dana but then he followed through on his words so many guys have come out and told their staff and and their workers and their employees before i really want to pay you guys more and i will as soon as i can we're just not there yet that's the thing to kick the can down the road keep the morale high and get people to work for cheap Dana White followed through. You're now telling me it's it's five times higher is the minimum pay than it was just a decade ago. There is no other company out there doing it. He has empowered his fighters so much. He has promoted them and given them such good lives that they are now attempting to turn the gun on him. And it's very aggravating for me. It's very aggravating just because the story isn't being told accurately. That's not the accurate timeline of the way that that events and things played out. And he never defends himself. And I don't know why. He, I feel like the true story of Dana White will never be told until his funeral. And I don't mean to go dark on you. I mean that sincerely. Until people finally stand up and talk about how hard he worked, how hard he slaved, how much he risked absolutely everything. Uh, financially, personally, he risked everything. And once he made it, he passed away. You want another fact? I'll give you a fact. This is a fact. Dana White has paid out, has given away more money than he has ever made. Now, I don't mean that Dana's negativity is broke, but I mean, I'll I'll just use simple numbers. If Dana White has taken $50 million from that company, from the sport, he has given away 55. He gives away bonus money that he does not owe. Oh, if he was a, a publicly traded company, not only would Dana be fired, he would be put in jail. You cannot show the generosity that he showed. And I'm not with Ari. I, I'm going back to the Fertitta days as when I left the company. You cannot show the generosity that they showed unless you are a private company and it's your money. Otherwise, your shareholders are going to speak up. The FTC is going to come in. You're going to be removed and you're going to be in handcuffs. That's how generous it was. If he took home $50 million, he gave away fifty five, and that part of the story is never told because he never tells it. He lets people pass. Him and bear him. He defends the same guys that put him down. He defends the same media that puts him down. He defends the same company, but he won't
1: defend himself. And I don't know why you can't defend yourself in those situations. Very difficult to to be your own mouthpiece there. You don't think
0: Dana White could come out and say, hey, guys, I keep
1: hearing you all say
0: uh, I want the money fights. I'm the first one to say you guys should make more money. And then I'm the first one that when I got control of the purse strings and we were in the black for the first time ever when we said $40 million in the red, I'm the first one to actually honor my word and
1: write those bigger checks. That's not how people will see it. People will see how much money he has, how much he got from the sale, what type of car he drives. Every all the stories that you hear about them—that's the only thing people will will focus on. At the end of the day, if you're in a negotiating position, if you're trying to negotiate, it comes down to leverage. And if you can be replaced with one phone call, which, be honest, what percentage of fighters in the UFC or mixed martial arts in general can be replaced with one phone call? <laughs> a lot, ninety-five yeah. percent, yeah, ninety-five. I mean, whatever that number is, there's five hundred fighters in the UFC. 500 of them can be replaced with one phone call. And there's a ton of guys. If, if you call up Sean Shelby right now and say, we need a guy at 135 pounds, he'll make one phone call and he'll get yes from the from the first person he calls. Or maybe it's the second person or the third person. But if that's your position, you can be replaced with one phone call, nothing changes. You really have to consider that when you're negotiating. And to your point, no, I don't think Dana can defend himself. I think he would get zero sympathy even if everything that you're saying is true no i don't
0: can't. know that he needs to get sympathy i don't know that he gets to get any i don't know that he needs to get any of that but there is something to be said for historical facts and the way things happened in any walk of life and if you go back and you google and i hope that some people do right now the first person to ever publicly say fighters aren't paid enough money and i want them to make more was dana and then when they got in the black he you're telling me it's five times more than it was just a decade ago, I mean 12 years if we but want to be real specific. that's not
1: how fighters and most of the that, public look
0: at I understand do you, it. I'm fine, Ryan, I'm, but to you, do you understand, are you with me on that, that he started this drum, now he gets buried for it, he's this, this greedy fight promoter, which just, just simply isn't true. He could come out and show the numbers and say, this is what I've given away, not what I was contracted to pay. He paid contracted, he, I mean he buries his own salary five to one. I'm talking about giving away in bonuses. More money than he's ever taken. That's That would blow people's mind. That would change people's perspective. He's also the first guy ever to come out and say, fighters aren't making enough. Now everybody's saying it's annoying. I'm annoyed with hearing fighters say it. I can remember, you know, you want to talk about equal pay for equal work. We always hear that with men versus women. but Men do this to men and women do this to women too. It's not just a gender thing. I can remember when Tito came out and Tito Ortiz was the face of the company at the time. And he said, listen, I'm the light heavyweight champion of the world. Roy Jones is the light heavyweight champion of the world. We're doing the same thing. We're training the same way. I want to make what Roy's making. And it's like, Tito, do do I really need to explain to you how absolutely stupid that is? We're we're not doing the same gates. We're not doing the same merchandising. We don't have the same licensing fees. We don't have the same mega companies at that time of ESPN and what they got going over there at Fox behind the company. We don't have the same pay-per-view. This is real simple. You're, you're, you're the face of the company. and You're the highest paid guy in the company. But to compare yourself to Roy Jones Jr., a sport that is the oldest sport in the world versus us who just came along eight years ago at the time when Tito made these statements. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Do I really need to talk to you like you're a five-year-old? Because I feel like I do. But other guys are doing that same thing. Gegard Mousasi is the latest to come out. And it's like, Gegard, let's slow down here because I can't insult you if I wanted to. You are a straight-up badass. Straight out. He's a world champion, Ryan. And a hell of a guy. On any given day. Many, many days over the, the last several years of his life, he could win that belt. There's days he could lose it to. For sure, he's amazing. And a hell of a guy. I'll, I'll give you that as well. Makes real good money. You know, makes about $180,000 of Fight Plus sponsorships. He's probably clearing about two hundred grand, maybe a little bit better than that. And uh, he's saying, hey, it's not enough. And he's comparing himself. Well, I fought Mark Hunt. I beat Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt makes an excellent. Like, hey, That's not how the business works. I can't believe I have to explain to a guy that's in the business and been at it as long as you have how the business works. It comes down to draw. I can give you a percentage of what you can draw. I need to to keep a percentage for myself. I'm the one taking the risk so I could lose everything. I'll honor your deal no matter how bad we lose. But if there is a profit, I get to, I get to participate in that too. That's fair. That's above board and fair. There's nothing dirty about that. But when it gets presented, I hear fighters echoing this and saying this over and over again. It's as though it's some dirty, underhanded thing. It's like, wait a minute. This is very above board. I'm taking all the risk. I'm the gambler here. If we lose everything, I still write your check. If I can find a surplus, good for me. If that's a 5% surplus, fine. If that's a 500% surplus, fine. I'm a gambler. I got the right to leave the table with all the chips I can fit in my pocket. I just
1: do. That's the point right there is that. In business, the people who put up the money are the ones that get rewarded. Yeah, no, that, but but that's fair. Not, it's totally fair. But you have, it's not like someone sprung this on a fighter going. go well, wait a minute. <laughs> they don't spring this on you afterwards. You can easily sure. find out what people get paid going in. And true, fighters take huge amounts of risks. But there's a, there's a number of people who will step into your spot if you don't want to do it. Yeah, you I mean, have no leverage. Well,
0: the other miscalculation, and this was again done by Dana. Dana's the one that came out and said this whole thing's about the fighters. I bring I bring the bells and whistles, but the fighters of this entire company. So now you hear fighters saying that. Fighters hear him say that and think it's true. Well, it's not. It's not true. The most important arm that they have is arguable between production and PR. But that's who makes you famous. That's who makes you look good is between the production department and the PR that goes out and, and puts all these things out. So the fighters are not the most important thing. Even though that's what Dana himself says, so now the fighters are trying to turn the gun and use that and turn it back on him. If it wasn't for us, no, 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 no. What about the guy that set up the octagon? What about the guy that literally set up the cage? What about the guy that, that hung the lights from the rafters and put in the perfect sound system? What about the guy that sold the tickets and did the popcorn? What about the security that's bringing people in? What about the guy that built the venue? There's all sorts of people that are more important than the athlete. But the way that a humble promoter will present it is to say, no, this is all about the athletes. Well, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. There's other arms. What about the marketing team? What about all these different components that we need all the way down to the trainers down to the outfitters, down to the commission? I mean, there's all sorts of people that are involved here before the fight can ever take place. So to make believe that the fighter is the most important thing, the only reason the fighter is known is because of the PR, the marketing, and the production arm. That's why they're known. That's why they're a known quantity and entity, and they can go out, and they have the right to capitalize and participate. But so do all the other people that I named. You know, I work for Scott Coker. I would do anything. To help build a show, whatever it was, there's no amount of airplanes I would refuse to get on, no amount of uh, of interviews I would refuse to do. I would be so embarrassed if I took money from him and didn't create a surplus. I would be ashamed of that. I want my pay. I have a contract and I'm going to expect it. But he has a reasonable expectation that I am going to work for the company, be a team player and try to bring in a surplus. That's reasonable and that's fair. And if I find out he is making 10 times what I am, I'm giving him a high five. And I would love it if he gave me a pat on the back. That would make me feel good. But that's about what working for somebody else is. If you know so damn much and you're so so damn smart, go get a promoter's license. It's a two-page form that consists of your signature at the bottom, a date, your address, and your social security number, and it's a $100 to get. Go get a promoter's license instead of shop against them if you know so damn much about the sport. What you're going to find is like any other business, you have to make sure you operate within your budget. OK, your profits must exceed your expenditures. So if I'm working for Coker and I want to continue to work for him, I need to make sure that he gets a return on his investment. If he's investing in me and it's a guarantee and he's taking all the risk, it's, it's incumbent upon me. If I want to continue to have that relationship, then I make him a surplus. Guys are making a surplus and they're happy. They're happy to take everything. They'll take everything and go, hey, go back to a bank and borrow more money. Screw you. No, man, come on. What kind of attitude is that? What kind of attitude is that? I would literally be ashamed. I check ticket sales over at Bellator because we're, we're just now on pay-per-view. But in, in, until June 24th, that hasn't been the case, so I can't check those numbers. I don't know what their relationship with, is with Viacom. So all I'm left to know is what the gate is. And I look at the gate and I look at my contract and there's got to be a surplus or I'm going to hang my head and hang in the back and I'm going to be embarrassed. And I don't know why other guys don't have that same mentality. If you want your own shop and you want to call the shots, go fill out a two-page form and put down $100 for your license. If you don't, if you want somebody else to take the risk and the investment and go against their own capital, then you got to do it their way. And you need to be a team player. And when I hear these guys, and none of this is against Musa, I want Musashi to make, if he wants $5 million, I hope he makes ten. I want all these wonderful things for him. But it is also very fair to say, Gegard, as good as you are and as much as I appreciate you, there's just not enough other people that do. The other problem
1: is, is that people see the outliers in this sport, not just in mixed martial arts, but in anything, in acting or any of these non-traditional ways to try to go make a living, specifically sports and entertainment. We see the outliers and think that this is what we should have. You see it in business all the time that, you know uh, someone drops out of Harvard, and three years later they 're worth a billion dollars. That is very rare to happen. Look at the best angel investors on the planet who invest in early stage businesses they 'll fail ninety percent of the time. If you look at the venture capitalists who are now putting bigger money into a bit more established businesses with better growth potential, they fail eighty or ninety percent of the time. If you want to go make a living. By going to the gym once a day and working out or twice a day, or if you want to be an actor or a singer or any of these things, you have to understand how far the odds are stacked against you that you can do that. And just because you see someone or you train with someone or you know someone or you saw how much money someone made, that doesn't mean that you can do it. It's like the guy who wins $400 million in a lottery and is set for life. It can happen, <laughs> but it's not a retirement strategy. Yeah, and I, this, this is where people alter too much. And I recently, two weeks ago, I spoke to a guy who worked at a Ferrari dealership. It was the largest Ferrari dealership in the US. And I asked him who his customers were. They were based in New York. And I thought, oh, they probably have a lot of foreign customers because we have one foreign customer who buys from us. And the average guy buying a Ferrari is 55 years old. And he was a small business owner who did well. Guy who started a construction company is worth $2 million.
0: Yeah. And how are you going to cap a guy like that? I mean, that, that, that's really what capitalism is, and that's how we, we – we incentivize in this country. We don't threaten people. That's what, that's what communists do. They threaten people. They'll imprison them. They'll harm them physically. We incentivize in America, and we, we don't put a cap on that. If you can go out and you can make as much profit as you can by taking your good or service to the market, then good for you. And competition will come in, and that helps to set prices and make sure that everything's fair. But that's the way that it works. Uh, I remember when the Fertittas got up and walked away from the table – wasn't that long ago and so many people were upset. Well, where was the pats on the back? Where was the pats on the back and creating an industry being $40 million in the hole, taking incredible risks, employing 556 people just in your North American office, making sure their checks were in their account every Friday by five, healthcare benefits, retirement. So these guys could put, you know, feed their families and themselves and clothe and send their kids through college. Where were the pats on the back for that? And also, why does a gambler have to lose every time? How come a gambler can't get up and walk away from the table while he's still got a few chips? That's the one thing I don't understand. The house doesn't always have to win. Every now and then, you get to go to the pay window and cash those in for dollars. That's a good thing. That's called an accomplishment and success. And if you did it honestly and you honored all of your deals, better or worse, look, promoters make bad deals all the time. They make bad deals all the time. The good promoters will honor them and they will push through, and they will learn from it, and they will find a way at the end of the year to turn that into the profit or at the end of the game to turn that into a profit. They deserve patted on the back for that. We have seen so many scumbags come through fighting. It was particularly in the olden days before the commissions were ever set up, and it came through in boxing. These absolute carnies that would come through, set up the tent, set up the ring, pop the popcorn, charge for the tickets, and duck out before the show was over because they didn't have anybody's purse money. That's why commissions had to get formed. We have seen so many good, honest men come into MMA that old-time boxing guys can't. Old-time boxing, you you ever go talk to them? They sing the praises of the business practices of MMA. They can't believe the way MMA fighters are treated. But a lot of fighters don't study this history and understand, look what combat comes from. They don't really understand that, so they, they also lack that appreciation. I had my first fight in 1997. This is before the sport had grown at all. It's had several booms along the way, but this is before any of the booms had happened. So I saw what it was like to not have commissions, to go out there with unwrapped hands, to never have a way in I was in my, first amateur fi- my second amateur fight ever against Trevor Prangley. It was a seven-minute fight. The promoter enjoyed it so much that when seven minutes came by, he just let it keep going because it was entertaining for the crowd. At seven minutes and thirty-four seconds of a fight, I was dominating. Trevor Prangley choked me out with a triangle. Under today's rank, could you imagine if the timekeeper just let a fight go because the promoter said, "Hey, I really like this; let it keep going." Back then, my dad and I grabbed our grabbed our stuff and went over and got some Chinese food. We didn't even t- we didn't even think to complain. It's just the way it was. So you know, to look at where the the sport has come now, to look at the way that guys are treated now to look at the different opportunities that they have now. It's just, I'm just not a great shoulder to come in and cry on. It's like, listen, when you do these deals, appreciate them. Be glad that you make it, but honor your deal because it goes both ways. And the litmus test you have to give yourself and no fighter is willing to do this. No person is willing to do this, but here's the litmus test. You have to ask yourself before you go into renegotiate because you think that you've outgrown your contract. If a show fails, am I willing to return the money? Am I really, really answer this? Honestly, If a show fails and I have a guarantee, am I willing to tell the promoter, pay me 10% less? If the answer is yes, if you really would do that, then you have the right to go in ethically to go in and tell the promoter, hey, I need a 10% bump. I've outgrown this. This is a bad contract. I've done my job. I'm selling out arenas. I'm bringing this kind of demand. You have the right to do it. If you don't, you're an unethical person.
1: I go back to my litmus test is if you're not on the card, what happens? And for most everyone… Not, that's not even a speed bump
0: yeah and Ryan this actually has happened this actually had what the example you're providing did happen one time. Yeah, and guys had had pulled out of fights, and they had to bring in other guys. And and I can remember, it was one phone call to Monty Cox. He had everybody on his Rolodex, and he lined it up. and And the UFC was basically Monty Cox versus the world. There was five main card fights. All five of them were Monty Cox guys coming out of Davenport, Iowa, versus whoever else the UFC could get. And business did just fine. And I can tell you as a fan, I loved watching every single one of those guys fight. It's not that big of a deal. And the you know number one rule in show business, and I talk about it here all the time, is the show must go on. So whether you have conflicts or, or speed bumps or your revenue is going to be down, well, having me on it would be better. Yeah, I, I agree that it would be, but I have other things to do, and dealing with you isn't one of them. I've got a production meeting to get to, so goodbye. You know, Vince McMahon has shot himself in the foot more time, but over the spread of his career, it's worked out, where he has told people, you're fired. He has been held hostage backstage where he's got a sold-out arena. The Ultimate Warrior did this to him, a sold-out arena there to see him on, it was called Closed Circuit at the time, what we now know as pay-per-view. Fans promised, and the Ultimate Warrior came up from behind the stage and said, I need an extra million dollars or I'm not walking through the curtain tonight. Vince McMahon gave him the check, and the second the Warrior came through the curtain, he said, you're fired, get your stuff and go home, and let him have the check. He did not cancel payment on the check. But that's what Vince does, and that's the old pro wrestling way. You don't like it, get your stuff and go. We have a deal, that's it. And if there's a surplus, I'm going to take it. And I've told you that from the beginning. I'm in this to make money, too. That's not a hidden thing. I've got the right to do it. It's above board. And, and if it, you don't like it, go get yourself a promoter's license and open up shop next to me. That's the way. That, that's just capitalism.
1: The only that, fight some that, of
0: that sounded cutthroat, Ryan, but that's just cap, that's just the way the country business. works. It's business.
1: And it's fair. I can only think of one fight, and that's the when John was supposed to fight. Uh, Dan Henderson. Dan. Yeah, they actually lost another one. Uh, they, they
0: canceled the show as Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez. Yeah, there's some things that happen and sometimes you look at the bottom line and look, it's just be- better to cancel the event. Those things can happen. Pretty rare though. Yeah, that, that's right. It's pretty rare. But if you have some scumbag that's going to hold you up and go, well, I don't care if it costs you the whole show. Give me my money. Sometimes I like when they go, well, then screw it. We just won't have the show. I'm not going to get into this with you. We have our deal. That's the end of it. I I like that. I admire it. It's the Vince McMahon model, and we've seen a little bit of it in MMA, but that's the way it goes. I watched Coker lose a show on accident, not even over a negotiation. He lost a show at past midnight the morning of the show. It was Mitrione versus Fedor. He put his boots on. He strapped up. He went to work, and that was a sold-out arena, and everybody left happy and with a T-shirt and came back the next time he played that same venue in San Jose. So there's ways to work within it, but the show must Go on.
1: Remember where you stand. Remember where you stand.
0: All right, guys. Ultimateweightcut.com. This thing is blowing up. I have been blown away. Weight cuts are one of the hardest things in sports. And there's only a few sports where you really have to do it. And a weight cut is different than a diet. A cut is a different than a diet. Those words are not synonymous. If you're a wrestler, if you're a boxer, if you're in MMA, you need to know first off your metabolic rate. Secondly, you need to know how to dehydrate. Third, it's very helpful to have recipes and meals and, and the ultimate weight cut has all of those things. Rehydration, particularly in the day where IVs are frowned upon. A rehydration plan the natural way. All of this information, scientific, by a doctor, written out in great detail, can be found at TheUltimateWeightCut.com. For my listeners, if you use the promo code BADGUY, one word, B-A-D-G-U-Y, you will get 40% off. 40% is a ridiculously huge savings, but I want you guys to have access to this. Go to TheUltimateWeightCut.com, check it out, and enjoy. For Ryan, I'm Chael. Until next time, this is... Beyond the Fight.
1: Bad Guy Inc. presents Beyond the Fight.